Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 21st January 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This time, GSK's R&D head departs, Bayer's Pharma R&D chief prioritises assets, new US launches in atopic dermatitis, is Abivax an M&A target? and China's gene therapy developers rush to the clinic. Hal Barron is to leave his role as GlaxoSmithKline's R&D head to become CEO of Altos Labs, a new San Francisco-based biotech focused on the biology of cellular rejuvenation. Barron is leaving just four years after being hired to turn around GSK's research operations and will be succeeded as Chief Scientific Officer by Tony Wood, an experienced drug hunter who joined the company in 2017 from Pfizer. Wood will take over as CSO on 1st August this year in order to allow a seamless transition, and Barron will retain a non-executive direct role at GSK, bolstering its board's scientific expertise. Andrew McConaughey writes that while the appointment of an experienced drug discovery leader should reassure investors, The news nevertheless comes as a surprise at a pivotal moment in GSK's own rejuvenation as it prepares to spin out its consumer division. Much of Barron's first years in the role were spent tackling GSK's poor R&D track record and he openly talked about his efforts to change a misfiring culture and approve accountability and decision-making. He has led GSK's research away from areas such as respiratory and into oncology and immunology, but the company has not yet achieved a major success from its internal pipeline. It has been criticised for passing up a chance to develop its own COVID-19 vaccine, but has recently scored a hit with its VIA-partnered antibody therapy, Zavudi. The company spent much of 2021 fending off attacks from activist investors demanding more rapid change, including calls for CEO Emma Wormsley to be replaced, and for greater scientific expertise in its senior management. Barron's appointment to a non-exec role for three years reflects that, and the company has stressed that it has undertaken a thorough recruitment process, including interviews with external and internal candidates before appointing Wood. Bayer's expansion into new drug modalities has caught the eye, not least the launch of a dedicated cell and gene therapy unit. But the German major needs its recent launches to succeed and the late-stage pipeline to progress, so that those earlier innovative projects can flourish. That is the view of Pharma R&D Chief Christian Rommel, who took up the post just shy of a year ago, having joined Bayer from Roche, where he was Global Head of Oncology Research and Early Development. Speaking to Scripps, Kevin Grogan from the virtual JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, he said that, as we reinvent R&D so rapidly, we should not lose sight that we still have to deliver on the pipeline. The high-risk, high-benefit programmes are obviously expensive, so every launch gives us more wiggle room on the funding side, Rommel stated, noting that relatively new products, such as the prostate cancer drug Nubeca, for which more promising data are imminent, and Carendia, which was approved in the US last year for patients with chronic kidney disease associated with type 2 diabetes, are performing well. As for what is coming next, Rommel highlighted Bayer's Factor 11 programme, which consists of three projects. 
First up is the oral treatment Asundexian, which the company is positioning as the next generation Xarelto, the firm's blockbuster blood thinner. Phase 2b top-line data will be presented later this quarter, and Bayer believes the safety profile of Asundexian looks superior to Xarelto, particularly on bleeding complications. Rommel feels the drug could move into indications where current anticoagulants are not positioned or approved. Two other programs are an antisense oligonucleotide, Factor 11 LICA, partnered with Ionis Pharmaceuticals, which is being evaluated in patients with end-stage renal disease, and Ossocimab, a fully human monoclonal antibody licensed from Aranora. Data on the two therapies will be coming together in the first half of this year, and then we will have to make a decision whether we take on the antisense or the antibody. We don't want to go forward with two seemingly similar programs for end-stage kidney failure, he said. Rommel is also enthusiastic about the prospects for Elinzanatant, its non-hormonal menopause drug for hot flashes and night sweats that came with Bayer's September 2020 acquisition of the UK's Candy Therapeutics. After months of delays, oral competition to Sanofi and Regeneron's blockbuster Dupixent in the hot area of atopic dermatitis has finally arrived in the US, with regulators giving the thumbs up to two JAK1 inhibitors, AbbVie's Rinvoc and Pfizer's Sibinco. First up, the FDA has approved Rinvoc for moderate to severe atopic dermatitis in adults and children aged 12 and older whose disease did not respond to previous treatment and is not well controlled with other pills or injections. The green light for Rinvoc, which is also approved in the US for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis, is based on data from three phase 3 studies involving more than 2,500 patients which saw the drug demonstrate significant improvements in itch and skin clearance. AbbVie said it expected 2025 sales of greater than $7.5 billion for Rinvoc, a key product in the firm's attempts to soften the impact of future biosimilar competition in the US to its mega-blockbuster Humira. The drug, which was approved for atopic dermatitis in August in the EU, where it is also available for ankylosing spondylitis as well as RA and PSA, had third quarter 2021 sales of $453 million, a 103% year-over-year increase. The FDA has also backed Pfizer's once-daily oral JAK1 inhibitor Sibinco based on five studies from a clinical program in more than 1,600 patients. The approval comes four months after Sibinco got the nod from the UK's regulatory agency. The clinical programme included the Jade Dare study, where Pfizer's drug outperformed Dupixent on efficacy in a head-to-head trial. However, the effectiveness seen for the JAKs is only half the story. Both Rinvoc and Sibinco were the subject of a class-wide FDA review, along with Lilly's and Insight's JAK1-2 inhibitor, Olumiant which is also approved in the EU for atopic dermatitis. That review, which was spurred by a post-marketing study of Pfizer's older JAK drug, Zeljans, delayed the approvals of the other JAKs for the skin disease. Olimiant has yet to gain the green light in the US for this indication. And Brinvok and Sibinko were hit with black box warnings about increased risk of serious infections, mortality, cancer and immune system problems major adverse cardiovascular events and thrombosis. 
With those labels, Pfizer and AbbVie will have a tough time making inroads into Dupixent's leading position for atopic dermatitis. No acquisitions were announced at JP Morgan, but Abivax could soon find itself the subject of some serious takeover speculation following the French biotech's upbeat presentation at the high-profile healthcare conference centred around its Phase 3 ready candidate ABX464 for chronic inflammatory diseases. Kevin Grogan writes that the presentation came hours after EU regulators, just like the US FDA a month earlier, supported the advance of ABX464 into late-stage development for ulcerative colitis, noting that there are no concerns regarding clinical and non-clinical safety or chemistry manufacturing and controls. The European Medicines Agency and the FDA both agreed Abivax can evaluate ABX464 at 25mg and 50mg for both induction and maintenance treatment in this indication and back to the firm's decision to drop the 100mg dose, as no additional benefit has been observed with it. The company plans to submit the final study protocols by the end of the first quarter of 2022 and advance what CEO Harmut Ulrich said could be a game-changer given the data that have been compiled to date. In a Phase 2b study, 58.4% of UC patients reached clinical remission at 48 months with ABX, a first-in-class, once-daily oral treatment that selectively upregulates a single microRNA and puts a break on inflammation. The efficacy seen in trials to date compares favourably with standard-of-care anti-TNFs such as AbbVie's huge-selling Humira and Pfizer's oral JAK inhibitor Zeldians but the key advantage for ABX464 could be its safety profile. By the end of November, over 1,000 patients had been dosed without any signs of serious adverse events, such as infections and cardiovascular issues seen with TNF inhibitors or oral jacks. Finally, established in 2017, Belief Biomed has fast grown to become one of the frontrunners in gene therapy development in China, the Shanghai-based company, backed by Kimming Venture Partners, has already obtained its first local IND clearance for a haemophilia B therapy. Co-founded by Zhao Zhao, a former professor at the University of North Carolina in the US, Belief is just one among dozens of gene therapy companies in China, fast emerging to take on global players in a potentially large but still largely untapped market. New contenders in the sector have attracted substantial investment as China continues its strategic push to fund innovation. The interest also comes amid a series of clinical setbacks for gene therapies in the West and signs of increasing interest in gene editing approaches. Brian Yang writes that Belief has raised over $11.4 million, which has allowed the company to quickly progress its first asset, BBM H901, into the clinical stage. Starting from an investigator-initiated trial in 2019, the company filed an IND with Chinese regulators in mid-2021 and obtained a green light last August. On 30th December, the first Haemophilia B patients received the experimental treatment. No AAV gene therapy for haemophilia has been approved anywhere. BBM H901 uses a novel capsid AAV vector to deliver a codon-optimised factor IX gene under the control of a liver-specific promoter. Wuhan-based Neurof Therapeutics is another emerging leader in the field in China. Founded by physician Li Bin, the company raised about $63 million in a Series B financing to support its first candidate, 
a therapy for labour hereditary optic neuropathy elder, an inherited genetic condition associated with vision loss. Also starting with investigator-initiated trials, Lee founded the venture to pursue clinical development and obtained an IND in March 2021. The company has already conducted a study in 186 domestic LHON patients with ND4 mitochondrial mutations, the largest clinical study for a gene therapy in the disease globally to date. But regulatory challenges in the gene therapy sector in China are also mounting. The country already has a strict set of rules governing the collection, use, storage and transportation of human genetic samples and in a recently announced move, the government included gene-related R&D in a negative list for foreign investment. That has had many wondering if foreign firms would not be allowed to conduct domestic clinical trials for certain products for which China development was included in earlier agreements. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. A reminder that all these stories in full and much more content is available on the Script website. If you're not already a subscriber, take a free trial to see what you're missing. Also a reminder that the deadline for our inaugural awards in Japan is coming up on 4th February, so make sure to get your entries in by then. All details of the awards and the categories and criteria are on the dedicated websites in English and Japanese. Just search for Informa Pharma Intelligence Awards Japan. Bye for now.